Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes. Welcome to Rock Strikes Ten, the show guaranteed to always give you ten songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. And I just posted the, let's see, Poppin' Rocks 86 Volume 1 and followed by the Fallen Volume 3 this year, which both include Logan, and basically it's the holiday season, so we're spending the holidays with Logan. What is up? He is back on the show. Man. And yes, we are going to finish out the... Why'd you wake me up, dude? Oh, well, you know. Got my cot over here. Cotton Studios here. Uh, But it's time to finish up our 30-year anniversary tribute spectacular to the year 1986. 1986 1986 was a good year. It, It was a very good year. To, to quote somebody, I can't remember at all. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he didn't do anything. But, he didn't do anything. Uh, but, yes. I think I'd like to start off once again with one of your picks. I think it has the strongest possible intro. It's a good intro, huh? Yeah. Because you jumped ahead. You jumped all, all all over it. Yeah. And even told me which song to play. So, <laughs> take it I away, do, Joey. Sometimes I do that. <laughs> uh, yes. No, no, I was, I was in full. I'm very much in agreement. Yes. With this next pick, of course. This was this was the 180 year for me. That's too. okay. Yeah, we so. talked about that. We each have two Rock and Roll Hall of Famers on our side uh, each. Do we? This week. Yes, we do. And we're going to start off with one of them. Oh, okay. With Talking Heads. Oh, yes. Talking Heads. A band who has only appeared to reunite at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I bring this up because it's in the news today. Right. Uh, yeah, the only time they ever got back together and played with all four original members, and that will was be there, it. Was will there that's probably it. not be yeah. another? Yeah, it, yeah, it exactly. Because, like, forgive me if I've told this story on the air before, but I always remember seeing that little segment of Jerry Harrison on VH1, like on one of those retrospectives, yeah, like the greatest bands of all time or whatever. And he oh, goes, yeah? he goes, I still see David and, uh, you know, this is probably like 10 years right. ago. He's like, I had lunch with them the other day and, you know, I'll be like, hey, David, we're getting some really good offers. Right. And he goes, while I'm sitting there with him at lunch, he's like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. Mm. You know, and he's kind of like, oh. and he kind of, you know, David doesn't and, care. And he goes, two days later, I'll get an email from him saying, don't ever bring that up to me ever again. He doesn't want any part. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand what, what the, what kind of conflict is going on there. And he's, he's one of those guys. That's he's okay. almost, I, I call it annoyingly artistic, <laughs> to the like like Robert Plant. Make, yeah, that he, you know what that <laughs> probably is it. Probably like, is it. I mean, he has that brain of I can never go backwards and I must always go forward, and that's just his trip. You I know? mean, he has he, he's worked recently with Saint Vincent, and then actually he did go back and do a, a record with Brian Eno. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to yeah, that a, almost breaks his <laughs> that, that kind of breaks that mold a little bit, yeah. but it, it's it's a totally different. It's a they're both in a completely sure. different place. Sure. Too, it's a solo artistically. Thing. Yeah. So David Byrne going back and revisiting his Talking Heads roots, he, you know, he he probably doesn't see much of a 
outside of being just completely nostalgic, which I'm sure that he has no interest in whatsoever. And, and but mon- and it'd be monetarily successful right. for him, obviously. It would be extremely monetarily. That's obviously not what he cares that's about. That's not on his like, his plate. David Byrne and Robert Plant are the only guys I can tell that are angry with money at this point in their careers. I, you know what? I I can I can see that <laughs> actually. That makes money. that makes a lot of sense. I know it's not about the money, but they definitely hate money. Yeah, they they they're just done with being part of that whole Cause circus. Yeah, because there's no money in world music in Calypso. No, there is not. <laughs> not. No, but I think this now, is where now, we really first to start to get that idea in 1986 with the Talking Hands music. Right, it really starts to come in. Well, I to mean, the band, let, as we're segueing I, back to '86, I was going to say. I mean, let's let's not be fooled by some of the earlier stuff that that really incorporated African rhythms and instrumentation that go along. To me, almost this is more their American record. Oh yeah, I you mean, know the whole it's, it's, the whole it's a very it's, it's a very American record. Yes, from True Stories, yeah. which was a collaborative, you know, soundtrack album and film. Yes, and the film actually being filmed right down the road from us, practically, yeah, basically North Park Mall, which. Uh, sometimes I have to go to for Christmas shopping. Oh, do you? Yeah. So, Don't do that. So I have I have shopped have multiple times at the True Stories Mall, <laughs> which you you mentioned before. It yeah. looks nothing like looks that. Looks nothing anymore. like that now. And and yeah, everything else was filmed in suburban Dallas. Yeah. Little city names that we would know that most people would not. Right. And yeah, this is just a whole thing. Like, it's weird because they're you know they're just college kids from New York City. Right. The no wave would, kids. Yeah, but you would think <laughs> that they were British because this movie has this huge ultimate fascination with just middle America right. in the heart of Texas. And that's so British. Yeah, it was it was uh, it, it really seemed like it was almost sort of like a documentary within a sense. Right. It's satirish, but it almost seems like there's something true about it pardon the pun but it's a true story yeah so and then not the true story yeah. but it's it, true stories yeah exactly no but it's it it's a fun it, it, it actually is well maybe i shouldn't say it's a fun film yeah. but um <laughs> it's pretty depressing at times but, actually but, yeah but it's the rookie year of the great john goodman who really came out that right. year because between true stories and That's raising right. arizona yeah both from 1986 right john goodman became awesome yeah within just the, that really re- really caught yeah caught caught a good win there yeah and so. he's and he's in uh the wild wildlife video also yes because yeah. like pretty much the whole cast goes up and lip syncs yeah. at one point they all so. kind of make make their little appearance yeah. but great video it's, it, and it's a it, it's a really a good record yeah. I, I i don't think it's uh anywhere to be discounted from from the the, the rest of their catalog yeah. but and another fun uh, pop culture fact about True Stories. That's right. It named a band in the future down oh, yes. the road. You know oh, what song oh. we're talking about? That would be um, uh, Radiohead. Yes. From Trek this, 6. Yeah. Which is two words. Radio two words. Radiohead. Yes. But that's where, that's where it comes from. Not one word, but, you know, hey. Yeah. Whatever. So we'll kick off the music here of this part two of nineteen. And what song did you choose? I definitely chose track one, <laughs> and it's uh, not even arguably it is the heaviest song that the Talking yeah, Heads it, ever it recorded. Is. It is. So if you have some sort of preconceived notion, and anybody who would have a preconceived notion about Talking Heads has probably heard what do you think? Three songs: "Burning Down the House," Burning Down the Psycho House. Killer," which is kind of heavy in its own right. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, it skews heavy. Yeah. And, uh, what would Which, you say the third one was? There's always uh, three. But those are the two big ones. Yeah. Take me to the river, probably. Maybe, maybe. take me to the river. Oh, um, maybe that's about it. That could be that it. That could be it. But this is, I like. I love the riff. I've Pop always radio loved. was never that kind. Yeah. To... And they weren't kind to of this song either. No. And they should have been. This is this is a fun song. It so was a great song. I'm gonna say uh, we're playing Talking Heads, but you got to turn Ooh, this one up. Road to Nowhere. Road to Nowhere was a pretty big song. Yeah, yeah, yeah for L- sure. Low that's, creatures. That's also from. Oh, okay. It was before. Right before, it was before that. Before. Before. I keep thinking it's on True Stories. It, but was, it was. You know. Never mind. It, it builds the road to True. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, so kicking off uh, the show, <laughs> we're gonna play some Talking Heads. Joey's personal favorite Talking Heads song. Whoa. Love for sale. Check it out.
right, kicking off the show, this particular episode of the part two of the 1986 retrospective, The Great Talking Heads, Love for Sale, off of True Stories. Some rock and roll. Very much rock and roller, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to turn a phrase. All right, next one we're going to do here, a band that put out their best-selling album in 1986. Maybe yeah. not their most critically acclaimed, but it was up there. That would be that huh. would that distinction would go to their debut album, which this one is an interesting album. It definitely bridges the gap from what they were predominantly doing punk rock music and reggae music, and now we're starting to implement more of the heavy metal sounds and put that all in a blender. And you can only come up with one band ever in the history of music, and that would be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame approved Bad Brains. Not approved. Not approved. They did not make it this year. Oh, that's right. Neither did the producer of this album, Rico Kasich. So they both got shut oh, out yeah. this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I forgot about that part. This is one of the earliest albums produced by Rico Kasich, who has a, a, a mountain of really great sounding albums in his production canon. And Was it not like one of it? How far back did he go? See, I think this I hate, might be one of the first... Away from bad no, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think this is really one of the first albums he produced, to be quite hmm. honest. So, okay. Uh, but, you know, of course, everybody, if they know him as a producer, they know him as a guy who's produced albums by Weezer and Offspring and, and basically a lot of, you know, bands with punk rock leanings and alternative right. leanings. Right. Uh, but I love this album. I Against Die by Bad Brains. No problem with it. Yeah, this album... Like, it, their initial what, three or four full links, I think, are super-duper important. Not enough for a Hall of Fame nod, apparently, but that being said, uh, a, a genre that I wish was bigger, you know, like basically heavy metal soul, right? as uh, 24-7 Spies coined it. Uh, but That's a pretty small group. Yeah, obviously bands like The Spies and Living yeah. Color heard this album and was like, ooh, yeah. we could do, could we do this? Maybe, we'll try. No, they were totally like, man, I'm going, I'm, I'm totally doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I want to do. Yeah, so. That's and, what they did. And uh, something that would become almost the norm in a really super ridiculous way in the late 90s and early 2000s when it came to the hip-hop genre, Uh supposedly a couple of HR vocal takes were recorded from jail over the phone. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So they're pretty obvious. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, it's pretty obvious on the record where his jail takes are. So if you get the record, check it out. You'll know. And I think some of these... I had no idea. Yeah. Some of these, I think it makes an appearance on this song I'm going to play as well. Uh, One of my favorite songs on the album. I like it a lot. I think I've played it on the show. Maybe I have. If not, I still am going to play it regardless. But from Eye Against Eye, this is The Bad Brains and Secret 77. Yeah. 
that depressed Reproaches may God Even honor him Have mercy on the poor A secret seldom desire But a blessing share A secret seldom desire Great Secret 77 by a band that was really not from the class of 77. They're they more like the class of 80, I, I would say. But Bad Brains yeah. from uh, the D.C. hardcore scene. Definitely on the Mount Rushmore of uh, East Coast uh, hardcore. More, more to come, as Letterman <laughs> used to say. Your next pick, uh, well, I'm, I'm not worried about any kind of venom. You can you can answer to my listening friends, groups of people that happen to actually listen to Rock Strikes 10. And you're going to play them some R.E.M. now. Oh, yeah. so it's, Making their debut on Rock Strikes 10. Oh, is it really? Yeah. You mean Randy hasn't done anything? No, he, I don't think he committed R.E.M. to his desert island. So Wow. Yeah, this is going to be a debut, so now you really got an awesome Oh, no, no. I, well, it's not that awesome. Because honestly, it's it 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 is it is from my favorite REM record, Life Switch Pageant. Okay, I'll say that it would precede all the 
tremendous amount of fame that they would get. I was going to say, this is one year before they broke before they really, America. Before they really... Um, anywhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, they, they were... So, they were, were they big in Japan or England first? Like a lot of other no, bands? I mean no, because th- <laughs> they they were big. They were they were part of that proverbial college rock scene. Yeah, and Athens, Georgia. Athens coming out of Athens, Georgia. Uh, you can argue that a lot of early REM is power pop. No, n- not at all. I mean, yeah. they they grew up on records from the seventies. Yeah, like Michael Stipe's like a huge Monkees fan, and like he loves yeah. Aerosmith. Yeah, he yeah. loves Cheap Trick. Yeah, I mean. But he also liked Wire. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, I I actually did enjoy their going back to the Hall of Fame. I, yeah. I actually really did enjoy Michael Stipe's Hall of Fame speech. Right. Because he goes, I am so happy that I'm in this year. Because he goes, I am a legit fan of everybody. Yeah. On the panel, and it was like Van Halen and Patti Smith. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and, and, know, and like... that's that's exactly it, it. It's that weird quilt that REM is yeah. part of. Yeah. But, Another um, band I can hang out with and geek out on music and not be like hero worship. Yeah. So I mean, they apparently they were Seattle before Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a few Seattles before. Like yeah. D, well, DC was a yeah, Seattle. DC was, but DC <laughs> was not as pillaged for its talent. Sure. That, good point. Which very good point because they all pretty is, much stayed on the same label. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they pretty much all went to Discord, and that was about it. And that was that was a good place to go. <laughs> sure. I mean, sure. whenever still is. When, if, yeah, yeah if, for what it's if, worth. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But REM was coming out of that that quote unquote emerging scene. Got got all you know. It, it's not so fancy label of college rock radio yeah. or you know college rock. Yeah. Um. So going back to that original question, I mean, all those all those bands were heavy on college rock. Yeah, you could be I've at always, University I've of Georgia pre- or University yeah. of Washington. And I've always preferred the term college rock to alternative right. because it, it's almost a, a a stance you take mentally. Right. College rock is you ex- when you people go to college they try to expand their minds and right. That's why it's a perfect term. An alternative is so just vanilla to me. It well, and and, and that's really what it did. Yeah, is that it, it turned it. But this was still an era whenever these artists could really experiment a little bit more. Yeah. And even though that their influences may not have been ex- as tremendously experimental, and I mean, look, this was just a great rock album. Honestly, is what okay. it gets down to. Yeah. And actually, the one song that I'm going to pick for this, yeah, I was just about to ask you, is <laughs> is honestly. It, it's my favorite song on the album. Okay. And it's not even their song. It's a cover. It's a cover from a band that came out of Houston, Texas Sorry. called The Click. C L I Q U E or something like that. C L I Q U E, probably. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that's how they how they yeah. pronounce it, The Click. No, I understand. As in like a gang and. Uh, and you know, like, they yeah. were a kind of a little power pop band that came out of Houston in the late. <laughs> late uh, Late sixties, probably early seventies, actually. Spill me here. I never even heard of them. And it's a song called Superman. So, please enjoy a little bit of beautiful pop from our friends REM on Rock Strikes Ten. Superman, and I know what's happening. I 
Superman by R.E.M. from Life's Rich Pageant. You can get that also in a deluxe edition for, deluxe, yep. for the audio file in you and all of us. And a lot yeah, of good bonus stuff on that. It was there. enjoyable. Their early stuff definitely has more of a jangly power pop thing, which I dig. Yeah. Uh, random things I want to mention about things I can reference from R.E.M. Right. I just made Logan watch the uh, Stephen Colbert Michael Stipe clip for It's the End of the Year. It was entertaining. It. Very. If you haven't seen it, yeah. that is a must watch. It sums it up in two minutes, as sad as it is, but as funny it's, it's the same. It, it kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And one one thing about uh, Superman, real quick, outside sure. of it being a cover, lead vocal is done by bass player Mike Mills, not really? Michael Stipe. I could not tell. How Michael did, how did they Stipe pull that off? is the uh, backup vocalist on that. Okay. Which, but whenever you know that Just Mike like Mills, on the clip. <laughs> well, whenever Mike Mills is a backup vocalist. It's it's strange because you can really really tell on that. Oh man! So but I, um, yeah. So there you go. It's no uh, still a still a solid solid little piece of uh, work there from those fine fine minute REM. Yeah. It, it's kind of the luxury of of being an artist. I think of the the early part of the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you had, had be- you grew up in the best era. You grew really, up you in really in, in a pretty uh, in a, uh, actually an extremely great great point of music where it was i mean you could catch influence from all over the place it could have been a, a jazz fusion record it could have been the birds it could have been a power pop record i mean it could have been even at that point heavy metal yeah so and sort of speaking of that <laughs> i mentioned that these guys what or this guy metal? went in the same year as R.E.M. and the Uh-oh. boys on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm going to leave this very much open to any kind of audible that could possibly happen here, oh. which will get down to one of the great debates of all time in music history. 1986 is where you truly were almost kind of forced to pick a side. 
Van Hagar oh. or David Lee Roth. Fifty-one fifty versus Edom and Smile. Logan, I've never. A- I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Fifty-one fifty. You're a fifty-one fifty guy, huh? See, I'm. An, uh, and, I'm and it has nothing. To, I, I just. I love the album fifty-one fifty. Hey, and I'm. I'm not. I'm not trying to. You're not disparaging Dave by. Saying I'm not. It's just like. I, I but love, I love fifty one fifty. I love and both I can't record. explain it. Yeah, I love both records. My vote goes to Eat 'em and Smile. Uh I'm of the opinion as What a huge surprise. Yeah, well hey, what a huge yeah, Dave is my spirit animal. I I, th- I believe Eat 'em and Smile is the true follow up to nineteen eighty four. I you know, it's it's definitely it just feels more like a Van Halen album. The nitpick I have on fifty one that I absolutely agree with. Yeah, it's got, you know, the, the the guitar acrobatics that you would have come to expect on well, a Van Halen album by right. way of Steve Vai. Yeah. Probably the... I, I say... He uh, assembled not, a fantastic band. That band is something else, man. Like, I, I, I one of the greatest bands ever assembled for the purpose of a solo project easily. It's it's a pretty uh, solid... Yeah. Actually, it's really solid. Yeah. I saw, I saw a great clip recently with Greg Bissonette talking about the audition process. And he didn't know any of those guys in advance. Oh, really? But he goes, the funny thing is... He must have been super young, too. Yeah, straight out of University of North Texas. Yeah. I mean, probably just graduated. Wow. And so it's... it's it's Basically, Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan are doing the auditions. Apparently, Dave was like, I'll check them out when you whittle it down kind of thing. And am I wrong to think that at least Steve Vai had some real... I mean... I mean, he had some skins at that point. Oh, and yeah. We're talking 1986, yeah. right? Yeah, because he had but already I just done felt the Zappa like, gig. I just, and... I, I just felt like that these two guys, between Sheenan and, and Vi, yeah. I mean, by no means were they, you know, completely green. And they weren't... Uh, Sheenan was they, a veteran in the Los were, Angeles scene. That's yeah. what I was going to say. And, is that these yeah. guys, it felt like that they were around forever. They were ready to finally ascend to the next level. And, yeah. And... Here's a fun fact that's only come out recently in the last few years through all, all the uh, mass amount of Van Halen books that have come out. Yeah. Is that at one point, Eddie Van Halen was looking to replace Michael Anthony, even in the early 80s, with really? Billy Sheehan. Really? Mm-hmm. That was going to happen. Uh, yeah, it was like around the time that they say that huh. Eddie supposedly had the conversation with Gene about joining Kiss because he was that fed up. Wow. So one of the other things he thought to do to maybe help him out was to get Billy Sheehan in the band. Wow. So a lot of weird things going on. And that's four years before the Bef- these records came out. Right. So interesting that, that Dave definitely had Billy in the back of his mind yeah, I was gonna say, already. He, he, There's he, that. Yeah, he, he pulled that index card and filed it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. It's, I had no idea. Yeah, that, a lot of people still don't know that. Uh, so Greg Bissonnette said he was in the little cattle call. All right. So he goes, I was one of the last guys to show up, so I'm literally in the back of the line. Right. Pretty much the last guy. He goes, I recognize a lot of these guys. Right. So as they're leaving, I start talking to them. Hey, how'd you do, man? You know, like, hey, how right. you been? How you been? Yeah. You know, like, legitimately, like, right. concerned and catching up on these guys. Hey, I know these guys. Oh, man, it was pretty brutal. They wanted me to do this and this and this. And he goes, I start going... Yeah, I start doing it in line. Like, okay, I'm practicing my little riddle here. Oh, uh, uh-huh. Another guy comes out that I recognize. Hey, man, how'd you do? Oh, man. Well, they had us do this, too, but I knew this, but I didn't know that. And he goes, okay. Already. <laughs> he goes, I'm warming up in line. 
they have given me they've given up the He's entire audition. I, I knew the whole say. audition before I got inside. Right. Smart it's kind of like having that friend in in the in first period who took the quiz and you yeah. got to take it third period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he goes, "Oh man, what questions were on that?" So he goes, "Those rough." He goes, "But I had I knew exactly what they were going to call before I even walked wow. in the door." I'm wow. Like, and so there's almost kind of uh, something to being the last in line. Yeah, there is. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> but you know, I I play Dave a lot on the show, even solo Dave, which I'm a fan of. You, yeah, you, you say do. you you quite enjoy the fifty one fifty album. I'm, I do. I'm prepared to play off of either record. Do you have like a personal no. favorite? No, this is no. Nope. Are you positive? I'm not bogarting your pick like you did mine. No, no, no. I think <laughs> I think that it's definitely no, no, no. I have to do nothing because you... I I have nothing preconceived about. Okay, all right. What is this? Eat and smile. Well. Let's just do Shy Boy then, because okay. that really shows off the entire band. Not that every track... Well, there's probably two tracks on Eating right. My Smile that do not show off the band, which are the two kind of big bandish kind of songs, the cover of right. That's Life and I'm Easy. Right. But the other eight songs, whoa. And you never really hear the bass player and the lead guitar player playing the same notes on the solo breakdown. I don't think I ever heard that at all until Shy Boy. So, gonna hear some massive musical throwdown here off of Eden's Smile. Massive. Massive. This is Shy Boy, which originally was a Talis song written by Billy Sheehan. Ooh. Here you go.
until my personality starts improving. There you go, Shy Boy. Like I said, originally recorded by Talis, Billy Sheehan's old Sunset Strip Band. Spill it. T A L A S. L A S. Yes, okay. I have the version of Shy Boy in there. Maybe I'll play it someday on the show. Ah, uh, and I can't wait for that show. You know, yeah, that, and you know, it's, email me. Yeah, and an album which I didn't mention this, but I I thought I had, but I think it was just on the Roth show where he mentioned that uh, much like True Stories, this was supposed to be an album slash movie. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah, it was going to be called. Cra- was it really? Yeah, originally the the pitch was it was going to be Crazy from the Heat, and Going Crazy was the theme song. Pornhub dot com. <laughs> wow, <laughs> there's a plug. There you go. Okay, so. <laughs> It was called Eat Him and Smile. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. See? Yeah. So, but yeah, the original concept was Crazy from the Heat, the movie. Or was it going to be independently released? It was actually licensed by, uh, it was a it was a picture production company. CBS Pictures had purchased huh. it. And they were going on spec. And the whole album was concepted for the movie. So they were going to use every all the songs in the movie that never right. happened. Right, right. Uh, and then the the studio went belly up. Same studio, by the way, according to him, that produced uh, Last Temptation of Christ. Those were the two movies they had wow. <laughs> ready to go at that point. Whew. So, yeah. We're going to stick to the state of California for this next century. That's Logan's pick. I definitely back this pick because I, I even said it last year. I give this guy a massive rock pass because this guy, as much as his heart is in... The country side of things. This guy has excellent taste in music. It shows in his music. He has a power pop soul with a country attitude. He's punk rock. He is. I really believe that deep down in his little country heart that the guy actually is punk rock. And by that, it's Dwight Yoakam and his... uh, Big debut, guitars and Cadillacs. Etc. Etc. Guitars, and, Cadillacs, etc. Right. I think is the proper... Yes. But um, anyway, I've, I've seen him a couple times over the last year or so, honestly. Nice. We, we caught a Billy Bob show. Really? Local honky tonk. And then oh, we yeah. saw him um, back during the spring. Huh. I, I think it was a spring. Really? Right around the time that Merle Haggard had passed away. Oh, wow. Okay. And he did a lot of Merle Haggard. Oh, I bet. I mean, he threw it down. Yeah. I mean, he threw it down for Merle Haggard. I think yeah. at least five songs of his set were Merle Haggard well, songs. Good for him. And yeah. 
I had zero problem with that. Can you imagine what he did when Buck Owens died? Exactly. Like he he did do a whole Buck yeah. Owens tribute album. I mean, that's yeah. His guy. I mean, that's that that's that's his spirit animal. Oh yeah, would be Buck Owens. Oh yeah. But his spirit animal also lies in kind of a different side of that L.A. scene that that was um, in decline of Western civilization. Yeah. He was um, known to be he wasn't wasn't really taken in Nashville, so he moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. But there he well, found. If you go to Nashville, you can't write your own shit. Well. Back then, I'm, I'm not sure what it was back then. George Strait What's, wasn't writing his own shit. Well, George Strait's hardly ever written his own well, shit. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying, though. Is like, that what? Is you that, that why? Forced to. It's almost like a union thing. You're forced to join that club, and they tell you what to sing. These it are your songs. Who you are. Yeah. Poor George. And he I never kinda, wrote. I don't think he ever wrote one damn song. I really don't. God. He's like the Elvis of country, man. man that's too bad. Yeah. Anyway, bogging down. Bogging down. <laughs> But Dwight Yoakam, I mean, he was he was part of uh, part of the the other side of the L.A. scene that we don't yeah. uh, that that we see on decline of Western civilization. Yeah. It's like, like him he, and Los Lobos. Him, Los Lobos, um, the Blasters. The Blasters, thank you, thank and you. And then uh, which they could have been the first decline. And don't forget X. Yes, who were he, in the first decline as well. He was uh, he was known to open up for X. That's awesome. And. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, yeah I would I mean, love that's, to have been at those shows. That to me is punk rock. Yeah, exactly. That to me is fucking punk rock because you are walking through the door with a completely different sound from the band that you're opening up for. Yeah. And at the same time, everybody lived harmoniously. Yeah. I I I, I never read a story about any any anything that that went down where. Somebody was was pissed, but let's give it yeah. up for for Dwight Yoakam, yeah. which who maybe a year ago, two years ago, I wouldn't have even batted an eye at looking at this record, but I think it's an important record for 1986, yeah, because it's also part of like sort of a, a, a different movement going on in country music too. Yeah. It wouldn't and, last long, yeah, because it, it you know by the time so that we start hard. to hit into the 90s, yeah, we all know what happened to him then. Yeah. And another important release for that genre and the independent thinking of country right. music also happened that year, if I'm not mistaken. Steve right. Earle's Copperhead Road. Yeah, Copperhead Road. So yeah, yeah. And that was one that rock guys need to tune into. Yeah, rock guys were uh, well, and that was a, a critically acclaimed record all yeah. across the board. Yeah. And the, it's seen as an important record as well. I'm just saying, like that's an interesting. Uh, capsule of time there for it, that it particular is. thought yeah for for the for what's going on in country i think country's trying to reposition itself it would find its feet later in in the coffers of the 90s yeah. and there's definitely like currently like this year there is a civil war going on in country music there really is and on one side it's like the face of it is florida georgia line right and on the other side is like a chris stapleton yeah it's like tradi- sturgill simpson yes well Tra- tradition versus pop anyway Anyway. Back to Dwight Yoakam. Hey, you what know what? Would you like to play? Off we're just gonna we're just gonna go straight up with the title track, title guitar, track. guitars yes. and Cadillacs, because you know yeah. what? Hey, let's get down honky tonk tonight. Yeah. Girl, you taught me how to hurt real bad and cry myself to sleep. Show me how this town shattered dreams. Another lesson about a naive fool who came to Babylon Found out that 
track from Guitars Cadillacs by Dwight Yoakam, 1986, of course. That's what we're doing all episode here. You said you had another point to make about Dwight Yoakam. Uh, yeah, I'll get uh, into mine after that. Kind of, so. I want to tie back into my last pick, R.E.M., actually, because what? he he did a track with uh, Maria McKee, who was the vocalist, who yeah, vocalist uh, Lone Justice. for Lone Justice, who is sort of in that same sort of little, that little yeah. Um, yeah. traveling circus of college rock that was going on with REM. Yeah. So I know Marie McKee Lone from the Justice Cold was fiction soundtrack. Yeah, Lone somewhere. Justice had some had some great great music early on. They only I think they only did a handful of records. Yeah. yeah not a, not even a handful. Kind of but, a cult following, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a uh, good stuff. I think one of the greatest songs maybe ever. Uh, I think it's a few years after this is A Thousand Miles from Nowhere. By yeah, Dwight. yeah. That's a song you want to reference. If you don't have at least get like the freaking very best of Dwight Yoakam, I mean, you got to have that in your collection. And like I said, last year. There's year's, a couple of them out there now, though. Well, the very best of that Rhino put out. Yeah. That one's really good. Is that, that a has, two disc? No, that was a single it's, disc. It's a one disc, but yeah. it's super solid. Yeah. Even even has A Thousand Miles from Nowhere, yeah. of course, guitars, Cadillacs. Yeah. Uh, another pivotal one. I love his version of Suspicious Minds. 
Yes. That is so freaking good. That was on Leaving Las Vegas. No, actually, Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, it was, was all, it Honeymoon in Vegas? Yeah, because it was all country guys doing uh, Elvis covers. Yeah. What's Le- oh, is, oh, Leaving Las Vegas they both was, have, the, was the drunk picture. Yeah, but they both have okay, Nicholas Cage right. in yes, it. Yes, thanks. Okay. <laughs> I knew there was one that I listened to the crap out of because that yeah. that honeymoon in Vegas yeah, soundtrack Bono's on it and was Willie Nelson. Oh, is Bono on the yeah, he does honeymoon can't in falling Vegas? In love, yeah. oh, shit, I don't yeah. even remember it's that. It's not very good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, once again, I got to give it up no. for the last studio Dwight album. He did put out one this year called Swimming Pools of Movie Stars, but it's all re-recordings. It's good. Good stuff. But Secondhand Heart was the most surprising record I heard last year. Yeah. Where I loved it and listened to it multiple times. Yeah. And I don't really do a lot of multiple listens throughout the year, but I did for Secondhand Heart. If you love Chris Isaac, Cheap Trick, The Beach Boys, it's all on that record. Check out Secondhand Heart by Dwight Yoakam. And then we're going to get back into one of my picks. <laughs> I have zero segue for this. I'll just uh, ask. Uh, oh, wait. We're going to throw a dart at the remaining three of the big four. So oh. who do you want to hear next? Logan, would you rather? You know what? Okay. We'll put it between no, no, no. between uh, Megadeth and Slayer. Who do you want to go with? Right go, now? go alphabetical. Okay, so Megadeth. <laughs> Megadeth. We're going to segue out Dwight Yoakam with Megadeth. Okay, with Megadeth. Right. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? Hey, you know what? We'll stay in California. Yes, we will. Yes. Los Angeles. Los uh, Angeles, They never California. left Los Angeles. No, they didn't. They, they stuck to they their didn't. guns. They stayed. And, of course, one of their landmark albums, Peace Sells, but who's buying, comes out in 1986. Huge. Huge. I mean, massive. I mean, arguably, people will still say it's their best album. I am kind of... Between that and Rust in Peace, Peace as their best Rust album, Rust in Peace is still, I think, after after it's their most accomplished album. I, I think, think I think it's their 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 best one. Honestly, it's like uh, if I may, and I don't think I'm being sacrilegious here. It's like you know, it's like Rubber Soul versus Sgt. Pepper. Like this one comes With the first. Beatles, you can't great. go sacrilegious. Come on, right? But you know what I'm saying. Like they're both equally important. You could see them yeah. hitting number one on different lists, right? But they are completely almost different albums too. They are, so, uh, and, and, yeah. I, and I absolutely agree with that. I, yeah. I think, I think Rust in Peace showed a, a better songwriting ability. Yeah. But I did really like Arrangement. whenever the arrangement when, thing whenever too, yeah. whenever Peace Cells came out. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what, if you want to if you want to speak to adolescent white kids, yeah. put out yeah. Peace Cells. Yeah. Who. Haven't paid one bill yet, but for some reason we're like, yeah, yeah, I understand what he's yeah, saying. Totally get that, man. <laughs> we haven't even had job one yet, but no. it's like, I go to work on time. Yeah, yeah, I get. You know, <laughs> what do I get? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice buzzcocks no. reference. Thank you very right. much. Okay, the, yeah, I it, have played Wake Up Dead at least a handful of times on the show. I have played. I, I'm. I probably haven't played P cells, but do you need to hear P cells? Logan, I'm going to have you pick the track off of P-Cells. There is no wrong answer here. Let's go to track two, The Conjuring. Ooh, yeah. That's a good song. Yes. I like that one. I like it too, very much so. Ooh, but good morning, Black Friday. I think I've played that on the show. Oh, have you? Yeah, because I did a Black Friday show once. Oh, okay. (laughs) A Black Friday show? I did, like, year one. You have no... Yeah, it's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll do you'll do anything, Joey. Yes, I will. Let's do the conjuring. All right, I'm going to do the conjuring. I like it, Joey. This will be the conjuring from 
P sells but who's buying 25th anniversary deluxe set yeah. on Rock Strikes 10. <laughs> Oh, 
The Conjuring by Megadeth. Awesome. The Mach 1 lineup. Dave and Dave. Gar Samuelson on the drums. Chris Poland on lead guitar. Go lead guitar. And, yeah, great record. Uh, we were talking off air about how good their behind the music was. If you've never seen that, you definitely should. No, I haven't seen it. Because but... uh, this used to be the Dave and Dave show right here, this noise. The... Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. talked about how Dave and Dave Jr. were like beer and weed guys, and then when Gar and Chris came in the band... They were totally FM. They were totally FM. <laughs> Jazz. Not a, not only musically, but chemically as well. It's an interesting watch. Yeah. All right. I gotta see it. Oh, man. I'm really interested in it now. Uh, so moving on here. Even though I, I, I have said that I've heard early thrash bands on college rock radio i was gonna say we're right. going back to college rock radio but that may not be the sense we're probably just staying on it no as far as 1986 goes well yeah there were certain there were certainly some segments of of thrash metal and punk that, and that were going punk. on yeah. in in the 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 later night the yes. later part of the night for sure yeah. but um that's what that's what our lists are kind of reading like you know and i uh Definitely have some dark horses that I could have put on this oh, yeah. one. You know, like, hey, I like the new shoes songs, you know? Like, <laughs> I was totally down with that stuff. I'm not going to sit Point here and lie. Point of No Return? I like was, Point of No Return. Do a, you? a strong second single. And I'm not being facetious either. Wow. I can't wait as, like, a perfect pop song, though. I mean, it's, like, perfect. And, and it's so good. Wow. I They even know how good that song is because I think they tried three times to get that song over with the people. That song dated back to like the late 70s for them. Oh, did it really? And it finally caught that lightning in a bottle in 1986. Holy so, cow. Like I that. remember hearing that song all the time. Yeah. yeah. All the time. I think that's a perfect pop song. But uh, the, hey, uh, I can't. Uh, there was no way I was going to segue from Megadeth to your pick anyway. So I figured <laughs> why not talk about a little bit of new shoes. Right. <laughs> Maybe the Pee Wee Dance by Joski Love, another great '86 track okay. that I like. Yeah, that's '86. I, I even don't mind. You can call me Al, or you know, like uh, <laughs> I've, you know, on, the love has only grown over the years. I gotta say. Well, I'm gonna go middle part of okay. the uh, college rock evening. Sure. Uh, on the left of the dial here. Yes. So uh, we're gonna hit on uh, a project by one Matt Johnson. And it was called The The. Well, what's the name of the band? The The. Okay. Look it up. Find it in the racks. It's under The The. <laughs> so. It's my horrible attempt at the next who's done first. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, yeah, it was, yeah. It's The The. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, this was from their second album called Infected. And it made a very much just a little blip on the radar for college radio i'm i'm fairly certain that it was only just a little just a little dash yeah but weren't um, they like on sony the whole time they were on sony the entire time yeah and they much like rem would not see any kind of actual popularity within a sense for another couple of years okay uh the next album would actually feature former smith's guitarist johnny marr and they would actually sell out mid-size, mid-size venues. Theaters and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I paid for it, you okay. know. So. All right. But this was a record that actually went back. I was probably in already in 87 whenever I heard this. But it was an 86 record. 
And boy, I tell you what, it's a, it's a little gem, I think. Okay. That did not get nearly anywhere near some of the uh, the love that college radio probably gave it. And so I think I've heard those records via you, you back in the record store days. So I am still very crude to the the right. Besides, and, like the handful of songs I have off of the Rhino collection and right. whatnot. Oh, what what songs are in the Rhino collection? I'll look it up while okay. we're. Uh, I think there's definitely at least something on the left of the dial. Right. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned before. Right. But uh, I'm curious as to what you have to represent this album. Well, so, I I think really honestly the the best way to represent Infected is to go with kind of a, geez, almost like a deep cut. Okay. Sweet Bird of Truth. It, you know, Matt Johnson was a, a little bit political within a sense, and, and so he was not so much Thatcher. Yeah. Sweet Bird of Truth from Infected by The The on Rock Strikes Ten.
For that Houdini download, <laughs> I think Houdini had something out in 1986. Also, we're just doing record store references today, so yeah. sorry about all the jokes that you don't understand. But that's what happens when you get together with friends on the holidays. You'll get you'll you'll get you'll come around to it. Yeah, yeah. You'll get it. At, you'll get it sooner or later. At some point. All right. While we're discussing <laughs> the story that no one ever cared about, and that was the Zamba uh, settlement, we're gonna move on to my pick. <laughs> Man, the Zomba settlement. <laughs> How much does that go for anyway? Any idea? I don't know. <laughs> uh, hey, um, by the way, are you ready for this hey. reunion? <laughs> oh my god! Every time I do that, oh my god! You know what? It's you know, come down I think to? they invented text message so that you could just send that to me. Hey, are you ready for this reunion? I haven't. Done and then you send me a picture. Yeah. Which I was like, how the fuck did he do that? Yeah. Because you know. Well, the last one was did, good because it was the Dawkins. It was Dawkins. Yeah. Was Dawkins. Original lineup too. Original or, lineup. Or the the famous lineup. How that goes. Uh, fine. They recorded the show, so I guess there's going to be some sort of release. So they're just going to put screens and uh, screens in in local theaters. And yeah. I, I I don't let, know. Let let us pretend that yeah. talking is playing upon oh, your yes, stage. Yes. <laughs> They'll be introduced. Twenty dollars, please. Yes, and the guy that will your introduce beer them will on be stage. eight dollars. Peter Cushing will introduce them on stage. Peter actually. Cushing will. <laughs> Let's get rocking with the Dawkins. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to keep all this on the show. I actually am. Yeah, you uh, probably will. So anyway. Uh, hey, Joy, it's your pick. Let's talk about Slayer. Slayer! Hey, Randy Brown. Yes. Uh, it's weird because he's not here. Yeah, that is super odd. I'm going to give you the pick again, by the way. 
Oh, you're gonna give me the pick? Yeah, it's freaking random blood. I I have oh, the hardest time shit. picking. So there's not much that can be said. Uh, they put can I just pick the, the album? entire album on both sides of the cassette? I remember. Oh that. yeah, that was so great. <laughs> yeah, so awesome because just whenever you're like, no nah, man, just flip it over. Yeah, yeah, it's the album again. Yeah, it's the arguably the greatest thirty minutes of thrash that you can spend. <sighs> uh, Rain and Blood is is the album that made Slayer. It it. It went, you know, with the introduction of Rick Rubin, I definitely need to give him the credit because he was the X Factor that was introduced to the band that they didn't have before. Right. That definitely took them to the next level. Because you hear those early Slayer albums, there's some good songs on there. But there's some stuff on there that they probably are embarrassed about, if I had to guess. Like even some of the ways that Tom is singing and you know what things I, like I, that. I think, you know, and even for, the makeup they were wearing and stuff like that. Well, I mean, so there's there's some things that needed to be done before you can achieve what Rain and Blood was. Yeah, before and, they were to, able to hit. I mean, here's the thing: is that there were great songs on those early records. Sure, there's love me some die by the no sword doubt. and some black magic, and you know, there's no doubt. Yeah, but the the issue that I think that was needed was production value. Exactly, and I don't know if it's because they got the money for the production value, yeah, or because. It's Rick Rubin who's behind your board. Or whoever his engineer is. You know, well... <laughs> it depends on how much he cares about the project. Let's be real, But back though, in that day, I'm back sure then, he was very hands He was like, these guys are fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. And I, it, he... he, Not that I, I, I think that he's lost any love for music, no matter who he's doing now. No, no. It's just I still kind of... think that he's totally one with... I mean, he's totally zen with it. Yeah. But back then, it was, an, it, it was that... that young that young enthusiasm for just consuming and creating and being a part of a record that would would make its mark yeah and and he did that a lot well all of his stuff consistently yeah all of his stuff early on is i've got this amazing secret that nobody knows about and and i'm gonna unleash it on the world i i know that's what the mentality is right because while he gets credit for being a great producer, I give him credit for being a great A&R man. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's well known that his engineers and the guys that make the album sound the way they do. Right. And he is a ideas man. Yes. And that's really what I think a producer should be. Right. An engineer and producer are definitely two different things and most people don't realize that. And that's true. Yeah. That's true. Like... You would have a better idea of that than I would, too. Yeah. Rick Rubin is an A&R guy. The same way, like, uh, the late, great Bruce Fairbairn was... Oh. He was he was one of the masterminds yeah. behind the Aerosmith comeback, yeah. Yeah. and the guy knew exactly what a single sounded like. When did he pass away? Uh, actually, not. It was probably about at least a decade ago. It was really? it was probably like early aughts, honestly. Jeez. Yeah, it was some heart thing, I think. But yeah, wow. that guy was a hell of an A and R guy. John Kaladner, of course, John never Kaladner. producer, but no. a famous A and R man. But, but he could have been a producer. Yes, he definitely could have been because yeah. he has the year. Yeah, I could have been a producer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you met John Kaladner. I'm gonna do a one man recreation of your John Kaladner because you told me that you met him. And uh, here's how I think it went down. This okay. is oh, okay from okay. the memory I have of you okay. telling me. We're totally just and, going and, off and base you, here. You're gonna go way better on this than I will. And then we'll I'll tell you what. I'm gonna do the show. Okay. And then we're just going to play the track. Okay. All right? All right, so Logan comes up to me, like, the next day. This is, like, 2000, probably, and we're working at the record store. Yeah. And he went to a show. 
don't ask me why I have memories of these things. He probably doesn't even know what Benny saw that night. But I remember he went to go see a Sony showcase for the Union Underground. Yes. And he had told me about this terrible opening band that did that thing where the guy's head sways back and forth, like that new yeah. metal hip hop thing. Yeah. And that turned out to be Lincoln Park. And he was like, they were terrible. I thought they were. I thought they were local. Yeah, they were so bad. He thought they were from here. That's awesome. And uh, but he goes, it was totally worth it though. I got to fucking meet John Kalander. And I was like, really? I totally lit up. I, I wouldn't see him for. I think I saw him a few years ago at a show before that. Like yeah. he was hanging out with the guy from Sponge. I remember that because you couldn't miss right. the guy from Sponge. Or John Kalana from a mile right. away. Because right. the guy from Sponge had like fucking glitter leather. I was just saying. He had like leather glitter pants on. What? Did he have like, and the spiky like heat hair. miser hair? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and the heat miser <laughs> hair. And then you got John Kalana who looks like right. what he does. Right. And, you know, if you don't know what he looks like, he's the bearded guy in the wedding dress in the Aerosmith videos. Long beard. Long beard. Looks like Rick Rubin, actually, but with like a nerdier version. And he's short. He's the MIT version of Rick Rubin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Logan, I'm. I'm now, I'm going to guess that since Logan was at the Canyon Club on yeah. the label Dime, yeah. that he's probably had a couple. I'm just, I, I'm guessing. Not up to where he couldn't drive. Assume all you want, Joy. So here's Logan going to John Kalaner. I'm going to do both voices. All right. All right. Hey, buddy. Hey, John Kalaner. Hey, hey. I, I want to tell you something. I, I really want to tell you something. Thank you. Thank you for getting Iron Maiden back together. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Now here's Slayer.
there you go. After the, uh, I coined the term a few years ago, oh. masterpiece of shit theater, but that's Ooh, what I did. Yeah. What? But uh, after my little one-man uh, act there with two people, explain that one, but <laughs> that was Jesus Saves. Jesus Saves. By Slayer off of Rain and Blood. That album is law. Go get it. And that, that album was, is law. That was the second of two Rick Rubin produced albums on our list because they did License Dill on part yeah. one, which also featured Carrie King. Carrie King. Yep. All right. Tie that one in, sir. No, <laughs> There's, There's zero no way. way to do this. Weren't well, these guys on uh, Rick's label at one time, though, weren't they? Um, uh, You know what? Uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. High five, Joey. High five. High five. So we're about to enter the the complete 180 world from Slayer. Um, it's Love and Rockets. From the, from the Bauhaus family from, tree. From the uh, re- remnants of the great Bauhaus. Mm-hmm. Um, godfathers of a supposed goth genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that's that can be a a, a, a very limiting. fluid term, it's a limiting term. But yeah, you know, Bauhaus was an amazing you, band. Yeah, Bauhaus was was very significant in in its own way. Maybe more leaning to that college rock radio, but I mean, Love and Rockets is also part of that. Yeah, uh, they they would find their own their own way into the mainstream. More so um, than Bauhaus ever more did. More so than Bauhaus dude, ever would. Dude, So Alive, was, and that record was everywhere. It was everywhere. And I'll never forget. It got for- to me. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. I, I actually went to go see Love and Rockets July 3rd, huh. and this must have been 1990. And I wore my Love and Rockets t-shirt to work the next day. I see you wear that shirt. Every now and then, still don't I? I swear. Uh, I no, do. it's pretty well faded, that, and, that, that and was it's, record store day. Yeah, stuff? yeah, okay. yeah. Right. It's pretty well faded now. But what were they doing in '86? Uh, in '86, they were putting out their album Express. Okay. And it was kind of a little different from. They were still trying to find their feet too. Um, it was a kind of a neo psychedelic. They were feeding off a whole bunch of their influences. Uh, they actually covered uh, Ball of Confusion on here. Nice. Uh, from, uh, let's see, who, who, who did who did that? Was that? That was the Temptations. The temptations. Sir. I was going to say the Spinners there for a second. but Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got but, a version of Anthrax doing that. Yeah. And so I think the track that I want to hear, though, off of this record is really going to be All in My Mind. Kind of starts out acoustic, and then well, it, it's probably one of the more straightforward songs on the album. Honestly, all right, let's do it. Check out some vintage Love and Rockets here on Rock Strikes Vintage. 10.
kind of doing the equivalent of uh, carpool karaoke with Logan during that one. He's still singing it too, like way after. It's already faded out, but All in My Mind by Love and Rockets from Express. From the Haunted Fish Tank. Yeah, the Haunted Fish Tank home video, <laughs> which I was mentioning. He forgot totally that we forgot watched. It. Yeah, because I had that, we and I was like so excited. They had, they had really cool videos, and I enjoyed them. Yeah, for Quite for like day. a little bit, we started watching videos instead of listening to records. Yeah, like, I think so. Because we had like a little TV. We had a, <laughs> we had a little TV that piped into everything. And, yeah, yeah. And I think you brought up some Headbanger Ball. And yeah, we and uh, I remember that was the first time we watched the Refused New Noise yes, video. Yes, I remember I, that for sure. I got it on a because I was like, what? We watched it like is... five times in a row because yeah. I I'd got it off a of, you know I just had it on a tape that I left. Yeah. recording and then i saw it the and next brought day. it and, i was like you yeah. gotta see you this you gotta see this <laughs> one of the best videos ever still. and then I, I i i think i went back and ordered it about immediately yeah, and then that's all we played for the rest of the year yeah. I think. <laughs> um all right before i get back into more theater uh we'll just go back that into was my the, last one right that was your last one that here was comes, it r.i.p 86 oh wait let's pull one out one more one more one more of course you know I have said this many times because I've been selling this record a lot in my current job because 
it is 30 years old and it's interesting because growing up I was always reading uh, rock press just anything I could get my hands on especially in the pre-internet days man I was yeah. a magazine reading machine yeah kind of still am yeah and you hear about albums that come along that you weren't around for albums like you know houses of the holy for me oh, sergeant okay. pepper yeah paranoid right and stuff that kiss, you weren't kiss destroyer yeah anything yeah. you could really name that are like iconic records and this was probably like as far as like especially metal because metal was still very new at the time it was and I, I i had a feeling that as i was living through thriller and purple rain yeah and and those kind of records that i knew this was a big deal yeah and not that i didn't know it about this record but over the years now that i see an album like master of puppets on a list right next to the paranoids of the world yeah and i was like i went through that like like that's I've, an album that i I've i, I remember that. i remember seeing the uh the launch ad in billboard yeah yeah <laughs> You know, like in, I think in, it's Johnny in, Z standing in, in Rolling Stone or something like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, a, a friend of mine in in '86, whenever the record came out, said, "Man, you've got to hear this," and handed me Master of Puppets. Yeah. And my first initial thought was, "What?" <laughs> yeah. And a couple days later, after still digesting it, I went back to it. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. Because it was a totally different a totally different thing going on from the 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 heavy metal stuff that I was also being fed previously and be yeah. and, and be you know yeah, before. And your, your maidens and you know, priest I still have and... pri- priest maiden and Ozzy. Yeah. I mean, Quiet Riot sure, sure, who yeah, yeah. I still consider still metal at the time, time yeah. even th- despite their popularity, we still yeah. called it metal. Yeah. But this was bending everything backwards yeah. and twisting it beyond any any kind of ideal of what How did how did you do that? Yeah, exactly. How did you play that fucking fast? It doesn't seem possible. How did you do that? Yeah, much like you were talking about earlier with the the, the record. Right. Uh, I was like a year later on this. I, I remember hearing the buzz and reading about the buzz way before I ever heard him. Yeah. And I, I've probably told this story a couple of times ad nauseum on the show, but if you're new to the show, it's new to you. I had a little AM station over in Abilene, Texas, where I grew up in my elementary school years called Key Rock, which was definitely just a ripoff of Z-Rock. Yeah. And in, in the basement on the AM, where right. AM had moved to the basement as right. opposed to FM was now the thing. But I used to, I remember I used to record the lunch hour all the time, and uh, the one the cassette that I still have I can almost remember the entire playlist top to bottom to this okay. day, and I remember I would always get a request in because I was probably one of the only people listening in town. <laughs> there were only five people listening. Jay. I always it's got okay. my request on the lunch hour, <laughs> and for a while it was just I just want to hear I'm the man by Anthrax. By this Anthrax. Is oh yeah. Oh yeah. So. I, I, I'll never forget it. They played I'm the Man at the very beginning. I was like, yes, nice. And I got that request in like two minutes before the lunch hour started. Right. So it was definitely just the guy playing whatever. <laughs> I'm the Man comes on. I swear. And they followed up with like Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Right. And, man, probably maybe something like Paradise City after that. Right. 
And that wasn't even a single yet. No. And then all of a sudden I hear these these chords that I don't know how were made because I didn't know about switching the toggle on the volume. Like, oh, yeah. It's like hearing Cathedral yeah. by Van Halen. Like, how's he doing that? Right. So I hear these chords go... Right, yeah. I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden it just goes... Hum. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Damage Incorporated is yeah. happening. That is honestly the first Metallica song I ever heard. Yeah. I feel fortunate that it is. I know a lot of guys are a little bit older than me. Like, oh, I heard Ride the Lightning when it came out. I didn't hear Kill 'Em All when it came out, but I heard Ride the Lightning. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Because that wasn't I, me. I'm not, that wasn't I'm, even you. I'm not part of that crowd. Yeah. I, I, like I, Pete I, can say that. I didn't have I didn't have that that uh, that Big Brother or, or peer group that was was tuned yeah. in, um, you know, into Metallica. Yeah. That, that, that I'll be honest. There was a lot of people that did, didn't reach Metallica until they opened. For Ozzy, yeah, on yeah. Ult- the Ultimate Sin tour, yeah, that's and, the famous story, and, and and that's that's my big story is yeah. because all these people that I knew, a, a lot of our you know high school, they went to that show, and the next day, they came back all wearing Metallica shirts. You're like now Did Ozzy the day after that, <laughs> the day after that they wore their Ozzy shirt, sure, but the day after their show. They were the Metallica shirts. Yeah. So they bought one more shirt than they thought they would. That exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you know they they were at another fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Ten. Or whatever it was. Ten. But but <laughs> it it really it really speaks to their own sort of grassroots movement yeah. on being able to tour tour tour, and then I mean this is such a pivotal record period. Yeah. But yeah, There's I, no way around it. I just think it's neat that like I have a actual memory reference for yeah. this record that is up there now. When you look at any metal album list, Master of Puppets will probably never leave the top five ever. I don't see it happening. Man, I don't see it happening either. Yeah. Yeah. And it's outranking stuff I mean, that you're it, like, wow. It'll be the revolver of, <laughs> yeah, of, exactly. of, of fucking metal. Like when you see that it's outranking on some lists. You will see it over British Steel and Number of the Beast as like, like okay, those are nines or nines and a half, but Master of Puppets is, is a, a ten. ten. That's yeah. what they put it at, and that's yeah, that's just it's kind of mind blowing to me. So I, maybe I'm over romanticizing. That is it, but weird it's, to it's think because me. I mean, living through something like that, yeah. that is being, so heralded. being present yeah. with that, is... and now you, you grow up and you know you meet these. Uh, younger people and they weren't alive when this album was out and you're going through a whole other cycle of this now yeah and it's sad i don't feel like they may well have that yeah they may never have that experience they get hardwired yeah which is which is totally cool i like hardwired i guess um full circle they're kind of doing the grassroots movement again because they're their own boss once again but yeah, I still remember seeing that print ad in Billboard because I told you my dad yeah. used to get free billboards, and it might it was either Johnny Z or like Eddie Trunk even oh, right. on the ad, and it's just a picture of a guy, and I, like I said, it could be one of those guys, and he's holding the vinyl of Master Puppets, and this is like six months after it was out, yeah. and the ad was the whole thing about saying, this album that I'm holding right here has gone gold without the benefit of your radio station, right? Yeah. Like what a fuck you add that yeah. is. Great. I mean, you might as well have just yeah just have had given two, the bird over big, the over the Brooklyn two big Bridge. middle fingers right up and go, which is what he did. You know, yeah, and 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 that was that was the glory of of that early thrash stuff because zero zero commercial 
input. Yeah. It was all grassroots. Yeah. And what a weird thing Way to, to go, be. Metallica. Yeah. And the other side of this, we're talking about, and I think Slayer can say this too. They oh, were, yeah. Them and Metallica were in the same boat in the sense of yes. they're seeing Anthrax and Megadeth on MTV, but they're not on there. Right. It's interesting. That's all. That is interesting. So, But, I mean, they were consciously on, not on there, right? Yeah. Yes, they were consciously so, I mean, not on there. But I just think that that would have that's it's an one interesting thing, conversation. It's it, it it is it is one thing to accept. Let's make a video. To no, we don't want to do a video. Yeah, we're gonna play the damn song here and then do a very very quick get out. And uh, <laughs> here's Damage Incorporated. Enjoy.
All right, yes. That was the first Metallica song I ever heard. It's kind of always going to be my favorite because of that. Nothing wrong with that. Because anything that follows really kind of doesn't stand a chance, does it? Especially <laughs> when it's off of a record like that. Do you, you remember? cannot end a record better. No. I mean, was Battery the first song you heard, though? Because you were talking about, was it? Yes, it must have been. Okay. I mean, because they had zero radio play. Yeah. I had zero people that 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 I knew that picked up anything pre this yeah so kill them all and ride the lightning yeah those are were, later were would be like the next records i would hear even yeah. though they came out before and i didn't even hear those records until the black album era yeah I, i'm being well completely, it, it was it was uh, okay pre it was like 1990 is when i heard all of the first two metallica records top to bottom i would not have heard any of them if it wasn't for second and third generation cassettes yeah yeah and uh yeah that's just a fact and and so there's something to be said for it, anyway. No, the, yeah. yeah. And now? It's, that was our Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> about that. Because you know what? They have more in common than you think. Artists didn't make money off of those things either. No, they didn't. All right. There's my uh, little piece aside there. Okay. And we're going to finish off. That's it. This oh, 1986 was, is over. Hey, goodbye, 1986. Yeah, we, we going to drop the ball. Yes. Go to 1987. Yeah. I think my favorite. I mentioned some of my favorite pop songs of 1986. I think my my favorite songs, like rock songs, probably Yankee Rose is probably number one. No way. Good mention to Wild and the Young by Quiet Riot. I can't tell you how many times I listened to that song, but Yankee Rose was probably the song. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Probably the best video too, but. uh you know, from an artistic was that point, the convenience store one. Yeah, the convenience okay. store bit, and yeah. a great stage. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, you can't argue Sledgehammer. I mean, Sledgehammer was artistically probably the best video of the year. I mean, it would have to be. Yeah, yeah I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. All right, we're going to get into the videos. Go to CNJ TV on Facebook, and you can watch all the videos. Joey will show you all the videos yeah. personally. Uh, you know, kind of outside the box, but kind of still in your reference frame of mind as to what to expect. But I've put some crazy videos up there that... You know they're all out there, but you just got to find them. That that's kind of what I'm oh, yeah. trying to do with CNJ TV or something in the news. You know, talk show appearances you might have missed. Brexit. It, sure. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> no man, Iron Contra, 1986. Right, 1986 yeah. Iron Contra. Uh, Ollie North. Three, three Mile Island. Yeah. Oh, Three Mile Island. Yeah. Alf. Alf. Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Yeah. Cheers. Monkeys, good stuff, Nintendo, dude. good stuff. I'm doing the usual suspects thing with. Oh, is that uh, what that is? Yeah, uh, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that, that's great radio. Oh, look at that. We're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Thanks Top. for joining me, Logan. Top Gun. Hey, thanks for having me over, Joey. We're gonna start looking into that part four of the Bowie uh, tribute, which is gonna be uh, really fun on his birthday. Yes, it will come out January eighth, as promised. I promise. Stay tuned to Rock Strikes 10. we got major things coming up here. Like I said, we just wrapped up these 86 specials and the last edition of the year for The Fallen. We'll be back with The Fallen sometime probably in January. Close out this year. Finish out some 2016s into 2017s. We'll probably have nobody 30. Will, nobody will die. Nobody will die because apparently nobody everybody's will die. dying. Uh, but also stay tuned till the end of the year. Uh, the schedule goes like this, roughly. Hopefully, I'm going to do a concert wrap-up thing with Nola for the end of the year. Then the New Year's Eve dance party. 
And then once the ball drops, I will commit to the best albums of 2016, in my Ooh. opinion. We're going to do a two-part top 20. And then after that, part four of the Bowie Tribute. So stay tuned. CNJRadio.com, home of Rock Strikes 10. Also home of the Synaptic featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative. And stay on CNJRadio.com for Chris's last theater on the left blogs and Wrestling House Show blogs. And just tell your friends about everything here on CNJ Radio. Additional plugs. Go check out my appearance on Rock and or Roll, the Rock and or Roll podcast with BJ Cramp. Oh my goodness. To which I... It's almost kind of a rite of passage, I think, that all rock podcasters have to do. You are totally into band. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this to you, Logan, but I did uh, part of an ongoing series on Rock and or Roll oh. called No Shame. Me and BJ throw down our favorite, most embarrassing songs. Oh. Not guilty pleasures, because we're actually admitting that we like these songs. There is no such thing as There's a guilty There's no such pleasure. thing. So check out myself and all of the Rock and Roll episodes, because it's a great show. It's super quality. And, God, that's going to be it. Let's get out of here, and we'll see you in the next one. Ooh, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs>